Hey, Praise Chapel Paramount, welcome to our podcast. Hey, this message is from our midweek service with Pastor Isaac Roman in the message he's entitled, Above All Gods. Now, if you haven't followed us on Instagram or Facebook, give us a follow at PC Paramount. Also, check out our website at praiseshopparamount.com. It's constantly being updated with information and resources. Enjoy this message. Amen. Well, we appreciate your uh, your generosity and your giving here tonight. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. Uh, I mean, you guys were hooting and hollering not too long ago. <laughs> it's good to be in the house of the Lord. I feel the presence of God. Uh, I was late. Uh, I was late tonight. I'll, I'll confess. I was late tonight, so I was not able to join you in the prayer room. But Pastor Omar told me that the prayer room was popping, and so uh, so we we appreciate. We appreciate those of you that come early and uh, uh, what you do in sustaining what God is doing here uh, uh, in our church and uh, in this congregation through prayer. Uh, we appreciate that so much. So thank you. Uh, thank you for that. Tonight I have the, the honor and the privilege of speaking tonight. And um, I'm, I'm going to stay in our sermon series uh, above all. And Pastor Omar, uh, Pastor Omar uh, kicked us off on Sunday. And uh, how many of you appreciated uh, Pastor Omar's sermon on Sunday? Sunday. Uh, such a such a good uh, such such a good uh, uh, good time on Sunday. Uh, many salvations, and so uh, that's always a good thing. That's what we're here for is to see people saved. And so uh, I'm going to stay in line with uh, with our sermon series. And uh, our uh, my my sermon uh, the name of my sermon tonight is above all gods. Uh, I'm going to say that one more time. I'm going to say uh, my sermon series tonight is above all gods. And so uh, so the gods, just so that we're all clear, the gods are the little G, the little G gods, uh, above all little G gods. Uh, and, and so I just I, I just want to, uh, I just believe that God really wants to speak to the body of Christ tonight. And I'll tell you, I was wrestling with this word, uh, uh, and I, I'm, I'm not here to necessarily say that I got this all figured out, uh, but I believe that this is a good word uh, for, for the body of Christ tonight. Um, before I go any further, I do want to acknowledge our senior pastors, Pastor Omar Sisoletti, uh, appreciate them so much and, and honor them as our senior leaders. Uh, again, not uh, 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 first and foremost to this church, to this congregation, but also as they lead um, a fellowship and a network of, of churches and pastors. Uh, we're just so privileged to have uh, have them here with us and leading us. So Pastor Omar Cicilletti, we love you and we appreciate you so much. Amen. He's he, That's all right. You can give him honor. He's, he, it's, he's worth honor. That's right. So why don't we pray tonight? I'm going to ask you if you would bow your head in reverence to the Lord. So, Father, we just thank you tonight. And, Lord, I pray, Father, tonight, God, that your word would speak through me. I pray, God, Lord, as I empty out myself, Father, that you'd fill me with your anointing. Father, I pray for every every single person that's here, God, that they would not be distracted by notifications, by Facebook, by Instagram, uh, by Snapchat. God, I pray, Father, that we'd be arrested, Father, by your spirit tonight. Help us, God. Give us understanding. Expand our minds. Expand our hearts, God to receive the word that you have for us tonight. And the church of God said amen. Amen, amen. All right. So I got a question for uh, I got a question for you and, and uh, uh, I'm gonna try to get through this. I got a lot of stuff here um, and I'm gonna try to get through this as quick as I possibly can. But my first question for you and uh, uh, feel free to feel free to respond to me out loud. But my question to you is this: is what do you live for? I, I, I knew I was gonna get that. All right, that's good. Yeah, what do you live for? 
Think about that. Really think about that. What do you live for? I know that the good Christians in the house are going to say, well, I live for God. Uh, I, I, amen. Amen. Uh, uh, but some, if we're, if we're honest, maybe some of us would say, hey, I, I live for my family. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that, okay? So I'm not shaming you, okay? Uh, there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, some people would say, hey, I, I, uh, I, I, live for, uh, I, I live for my career. I live for my education. There's, there's those, there's many that are out there that are pursuing career, pursuing education, all, all those things. Some people, uh, maybe the really, really honest ones, maybe they'd never say it out loud, but some people uh, would, would probably respond that they live for pleasure. They're just looking for pleasure in their life. Everything, they want everything to be good. They want... Uh, uh, you know, their, their ultimate pursuit is their pleasure uh, in life. Now, uh, the dictionary defines God as the creator and ruler of the universe and source of all moral authority, the supreme being. And so I, I, I wanted to start with the definition of God because we're talking about above all and God is supreme. God is above all and God is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. So I felt it only proper to give him the proper position uh, tonight. Now, uh, I, I, have a, I have another question for you is how do you define God? How do you define God? I just gave you the dictionary. I gave you the book answer. But how do you define God in your own life? How do you define God uh, in, in, in your decisions and the actions that you're taking? How do you define God? Uh, Pastor Omar talked about in, in how we commit our time and, and how we devote and we invest our time. How do you define God? A.W. Tozer says, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most, listen to this, is the most important thing about us. I'm going to say that I'm going to read that one more time so it it it, it kind of gets into us. What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. I want to maybe explain that a little bit. Now, uh God is unchangeable. God is unchangeable. God is the truth. God is uh, the truth no matter whether you believe him or not. God, uh, 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 whether you have faith to believe that God is who he, who he says he is, it, it really makes no difference how you believe because you're not going to change God. God is absolute. So really what, really what the question that we're asking here is uh, how do you identify yourself or how do you, find, uh, I, how do you find your identity in God as you define God in your own life? I, I, I'm thinking about this as I was going through this, and I'm going to talk about some of the attributes of God. And I really I feel that it's important that um, maybe I stretch our minds a little bit because sometimes we think about God and we think we know God or, or uh, we have our own definition of God. But oftentimes in our life and our life experiences, what happens is that we begin to focus or narrow our focus on God. That God is uh, God is X. So God, you know, uh, God came through for you, and so God is your. Provider, and yes, he is. But sometimes uh, our experiences give us this conclusion of who God is, and it brings it it brings it more to a smaller scope of who God is. Now, I, I think about this, and I've said this before. Uh, whenever you're whenever you're working out, whenever you know, if you're if if you're in the gym, anybody in the gym, I'll tell you uh, a funny a funny thing. There's a there's a thing called the quarantine fifteen. Has anybody heard about that? The quarantine fifteen. 
No. Okay. So uh, what they're saying is during this lockdown, all the gyms closed and, and people are less active. You're, we're all at home. Uh, we're working from home. We're distance learning from home. All these different things, and we're pretty uh, we're pretty uh, we're pretty much just sitting around and eating all day. And so the quarantine 15. How many of you have been victim of the quarantine 15? Maybe you put on a, a couple extra pounds. Am I the only one? Okay. Some of you guys are being honest. All right. The quarantine 15. But so so this is this is what this is what I want to tell you is. Uh, I'm trying to get back into the gym. I'm trying to, you know, build that, put put that discipline back in my life. And I realized that uh, as I uh, as I go to the gym and I'm lifting weights and I'm doing my cardio and, and all of that kind of stuff, that my my muscles start to contract. And and before I could go out and uh, and exercise again, I have to stretch them. I have to stretch them so that I can have mobility. I have to stretch them so I have more capacity. And so even tonight, I want to I want to tell you that I want to maybe stretch your mind a little bit so that you're able to. Uh, uh, Reevaluate how you define God in your own life. Yes, God is your healer. Yes, God is your provider. Yes, God is your deliverer. But he's not only those things. All right. All right, we're going to go. All right. So I want to talk to you about God as an objective being, okay? So many of us admire God. Many of us uh, will, will, uh, will agree when I say that God is supreme, that God is infinite, that God is, uh, you know, all the different attributes of God. There's, there's, uh, I, I, was, I started looking at this, and there, there was a list of 15, and then I, I found this other list, and there's like a list of 30. And then I realized uh, in the doctrine of God, uh, there's, there's uh, um, uh, chronicles and chronicles and chronicles. There's, there's men uh, much smarter than me that have gone before me, that have written many, many books, and so the attributes of God uh, are really limitless, okay? So, they're, so so we can't number them all, but I want to talk to you about a couple of them, maybe four of them, that could kind of help us understand who God is. I want to stretch your mind a little bit. I want to get you out of, uh, out of this narrow focus and really expand your mind and expand your experience of who God truly is. So the first thing that I want to tell you tonight is that God is infinite, God is infinite. Now, what I mean by that is that he is self-existing without origin. Okay, so, so God, uh, no one created God. God has always been. Now, this is very, very hard for us to understand because we're uh, finite people and we have limited capacity in our minds. But I want to expand your mind a, a little bit and stretch your mind. And maybe this might hurt a little bit, but it's okay because I want to widen our view to understand truly who God is. Uh, in Colossians 1.17, the Bible says, And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. So he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Psalms 147.5 says, Great is our Lord and, uh, and abundant in power. His understanding is beyond measure. So I, again, I want to, I, I want to uh, show you how big God is, how supreme, how awesome God is. Uh, one theologian says, uh, says it this way, to admit that there is one who lies beyond us, who exists out, outside of all of our categories, who will not be dismissed with a name, who will not appear, uh, appear before the bar of our reason, nor submit to our curious inquiries. This requires a great deal of humility. More than most of us possess, so we have, so we save face by thinking God down to our level 
or at least down to where we can manage him. I, I want to tell you, again, I'm, I'm trying to stretch your mind. We, 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 we try to take God, this infinite, all-powerful being, and we try to make him smaller so that we could have, so that we could manage it, so that we could feel comfortable that we understand it and understand that uh, God is incomprehensible. So there's no, there's no way ultimately that we're going to be able to fully understand the gravitude and the majesty of God. There's just no way we could do it. All right, I'm going to keep on going. Uh, in another article, uh, a, a doctor writes this about the self-existence of God. He says, the name Jehovah is used uh, 6,800 times in the Bible. It is the personal covenant name of Israel's God. In the King James Version of the Bible, it's, transla it's translated Lord God. Not only does it speak of God's strength, but also it speaks of the sovereignty of the goodness of God. The root of this name means self-existing. One who never came into being and one who will always be. So when Moses asked God, who shall I tell Pharaoh sent me? What does he say? I am that I am. What does that mean? Yeah, I don't know either. No, we do know. What, what God is saying is that I am whatever you need me to be. In that moment, whatever you need me to be. I, I told you that some of you have experienced God, Yahweh, Jehovah. You've experienced him as healer. Yes, he's healer. Some of you have experienced God, Yahweh, as deliverer. Yes, he's deliverer. Some of you have experienced God as, uh, 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 as salvation. Yes, he is our salvation. But he's not only those things. He is who he is. I think I think we're I think we're we're going somewhere now. I think you guys are getting it. So so uh, so this name Jehovah or Yahweh. Listen to this. There was such respect and such uh, awe for who God was, the supreme being that He was. There was such respect and reverence for this name that scribes that uh, uh, scribes and Jewish scholars they wouldn't even say that name. They wouldn't even say that name. They, they, they revered and they honored God to such an extent that they would not even utter his name. In times that they, in times that, that they would either say his name or write his name, they, they would look at other ways to, uh, uh, to, to address him because they honored his name so greatly. I wonder if maybe some of us in our lives, uh, maybe if we had a little bit of healthy fear of God in our lives, maybe we would respect the Lord just a little bit more. Maybe we would honor God with the way that we think, the way that we talk, the way that we go about our business if we had a healthy fear of God. God is omnipotent. God is omnipotent, which means he's all-powerful. Psalms 33, 6 says, By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, their starry hosts by the breath of his mouth. He spoke these things into existence. Job said, Can you fathom the mysteries of God? Question mark. Can you probe the limits of the Almighty? They are higher than the heavens above. What can you do? Question mark. They are deeper than the depths below. What can you know? Their measure is longer than the earth and wider than the sea. If he comes along and confines you in prison and convenes a court, who can oppose him? 
Surely he recognizes deceivers, and when he sees evil, does he not take note? We're talking about an almighty God. It says that uh, 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 if he was to come along and confine you in prison and convenes a court, who can oppose him? This means that you're, in, uh, you're arrested by God, and there is no one, there is no other being that could free you from this. Uh, this is all-powerful. Uh, Paul says that God is able to do immeasurably more than all we could even ask or imagine. I was, th- I was thinking about this during our prayer meetings uh, here on Saturday mornings, and I love it. I love this time together, but I believe that God is asking, God is desiring his people to ask for big things. Uh, the, the, Lord mo- uh, the, the Lord gave me a word to speak to one of the brothers here uh, uh, maybe a couple of weeks ago, and I believe that, that word came to me, and I told him, I said, brother, God is moving. I see, uh, you know, it's crazy uh, as, I look, as I look across here, and I see what God is doing in individual lives. It's amazing to see what God is doing in individual lives here in this church. It's amazing. I'm, I'm blown away. I'm telling you, I'm blown away. And so I, I, I felt that the Lord led me to say this to, to, this, uh, to this individual. And I said, uh, I said that, that God wants you to pray bigger prayers than you're already praying. And I believe that that's a word for each and every one of us, that God, is, God, is, God wants to blow your mind. And so uh, a lot of us, we're, we're coming and we're saying, well, God, just, you know, just get me past today. Or, or God, just, you know, if you, could, if you could figure this out for me, God wants us to give him some, uh, God, God wants, to ask, wants us to ask for some big things in our life. God wants to blow your mind. Able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. Uh, One man says this, although such power might seem frightful, again, we're talking about God being all powerful. uh, This power might seem frightful. Remember that God is good. I'll say that one more time. Remember that God is good. He can't, he can do, uh, he can do anything according to his infinite ability. So there's nothing that he cannot do. Uh, uh, and it, uh, uh, there's nothing too hard for him, but will do only these things that are consistent with himself. So we're talking about how can we trust this all powerful God? Well, we could trust him because he has to be consistent with his, with himself. He goes on to say, that's why he cannot lie. He cannot tolerate sin or he cannot save reprobate sinners. God is consistent with himself. God is good. God is just. And because of that, he, he is trustworthy. The next thing is God is omniscient. God is omniscient. This means that God is all-knowing. This should be. This should make us all very, very happy and really scare uh, the heck out of every single one of us. That God is all-knowing. Psalms one forty-seven four through five says this: He determines the number of the stars and calls them each by name. Great is our Lord and mighty in power. His understanding has no limits. That didn't look right. I just read you a different thing, didn't I? All right. 
I'll say it again. Great is our Lord and mighty in power. His understanding has no limits. I was thinking about this and I read this real quick. So uh, um, imagine that God not only knows how many stars are in the universe, but knows them by name. Now, it's estimated that uh, that, that we could see uh, 70 million, million, million stars. 70 million, million, million stars. What that, what that looks like, and I was going to have them put it up here, but I didn't do that. It's, it's 70 with 22 zeros at the, at the end of it. Okay, so that's how many stars there are in the sky. And, and, and the Bible says that God knows them by name, all the stars in the sky. Why is that important? Why is that important? Because if God knows that, God knows you. God knows exactly where you're at. God knows exactly the situation that you're in. God knows it all already. God is working it out uh, for each and every one of us. We, we, uh, we heard about the story of Joseph, uh, uh, and, and uh, I, don't need to, I don't need to go through that. I think Pastor Omar did a good job in covering that story, but I, I want to I point out just a few things. Uh, through this series of events that Joseph went through, he went from, uh, at, from a slave to a prisoner to second in command only to Pharaoh. And, and, and as he went through that, Joseph understood the omniscience of God, that the events in his life had all worked together for his family's own good. Why is that important? It's important because there's things that each and every one of us are going through right now in this season in our lives, and you can't understand it. And, and uh, kind of going back to what I was saying is we want to understand God. We want to be able to manage God. We want God to, to lay it all out for us. And if, we, and if he doesn't, then we want to rebel against God. We want to get mad at God. Uh, we want to wring our fist at God, and God just kind of chuckles at us uh, from, you know, from, from his throne. But, but the, the reason why this is important is that Despite what's going on in your life, it may look like all hell is breaking loose in your life. Understand that God is working all of these things out. God is working all of them out for the good not only of you, but of your family and all of those that are, that are involved. This is why the omniscience of God, uh, the all-knowing of God, is so powerful for each and every one of us. Again, God is good and he's trustworthy. The next thing is this, that God is omnipresent. And this is the last one, okay? Uh, God is omnipresent. And that means that he is everywhere. Again, this should uh, make us all feel very, very secure. And again, scare us, uh, uh, scare us uh, pretty greatly. Uh, Psalms 139, 7 through 10 says, Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in shale, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the dawn, if I dwell in the remotest part of the sea, even there your hand will lead me, and your right hand will lay hold of me. Jeremiah prophesied, Am I a God at hand? Rhetorical question declares the Lord, and not a God afar off. Can a man hide himself in secret places so that I cannot see him? Question mark. 
declares the Lord. Do I not fill heaven and earth, declares the Lord. And so listen to this. God's, uh, uh, the, the very essence of God. God, uh, again, uh, one of the things that makes it really hard for us to understand God is that we can't touch him. We want to touch him. We want to be able to like uh, use our senses to touch him or, or to, to, to feel like he, he is actually here. Uh, and, and many of you will say, well, there's times in my devotion where I feel God is, God is close. Amen. I agree with that. I, I, I'm, I'm with you. I, I understand that. But we want something tangible. We want to be able to touch someone. We want to be able to, to know uh, uh, without using faith. We just want to be able to know that God is there. Uh, 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 A.W. Tozer says this, that God is always near us closer than our thoughts. The knowledge that we are never alone calms the troubled sea of our lives and speaks peace to our soul. This should give us confidence that God is everywhere. I, I think about this often in my life. There's times in my life where I was running from God. I wanted nothing to do with God. I would try to hide from God. And I tell people all the time that the love of God is like this haunting love. I, I mean that with all respect and all honor, but it was this haunting love and it just terrorized me because I couldn't go anywhere without knowing that God was right there with me. I try to reject it. I try to avoid it. I try to deny it. Uh, I couldn't do it because the presence of God was always there. His love was consistently pursuing me. So I just talked about God and, and some attributes, and this is, again, an objective view. So this is us admiring God. There's many people that admire God from afar. There's many people that can look at the works of God, the wonders of God, and appreciate God. How many of you can appreciate the works of God? Amen. It's a powerful thing. It's a powerful thing uh, to have this objective view of God, this objective appreciation, this objective honor of God. Now, I, I think that it's important that we take that objectivity and, and, and now make it personal. So how can we know God? How can we know such an awesome being, a supreme being, infinite, omniscient, omnipotent? Uh, I, I'm sure I missed one. Uh, how can we know him? How can we know this awesome God? Well, in uh, John 3, Nicodemus, this is a scribe, this is a man that was well taught, he was well learned, uh, uh, he, he, uh, he understood, he knew Jesus, uh, and he knew that Jesus had come from God. And so what he, what he did was he pursued Jesus. So in order to know God better, Nicodemus had to go to the right person. If you want to know God, you have to go to the right person. Uh, uh, the Bible says in Colossians 2, 9, In Christ, all the fullness of the deity leave, lives in bodily form. Jesus is indeed the word of God made flesh. So if you want to know who God is, look at Jesus. If you want to know who God is, all of these great grandiose things that we just talked about, if you want to know that those things subjectively or personally, Look at Jesus. So Jesus' desire is for you and I. And he pursues us with a personal, intimate love. I'll say that again. Jesus' desire, God, his desire is, to, is for you and I. And he pursues us with a personal, intimate love. Love the song. Uh, uh, the Song of Solomon says this in uh, in, in uh, chapter seven, verse ten. He says, "I am my beloved's, and his desire is for me. 
I am my beloved's and his desire is for me. I was, as I was reading this or as I was putting this together and I was thinking about this, I thought, um, as I'm going through this, maybe there's some that are sitting out there right now saying, well, okay, Pastor Isaac, I get that. I get the elementary part of, of, of God, the, you know, the, the, the doctrine of God. And I get, uh, I, I, I get the, I get the elementary, you know, kind of thoughts of, of the Christology, right? The doctrine of Christ. Um, so why don't you hurry up and get to the good part? See, this is the problem. This is the problem that we have uh, in our own lives as human beings, as finite beings, is that I could talk through the goodness of God. I could talk through the power of God. I could talk through the majesty of God. And then I could take all of that and show you that Jesus embodies all of these things. But we're not satisfied. There's those that are sitting here looking for this revelation. You guys want to get rocked by something. And if you're looking for something really, you know, really wise or, or, uh, or, or cool from me, uh, you're probably not going to get it. But, but what happens is we, we gloss over, we gloss over this powerful revelation that Jesus Christ, that we are his, it says, I am my beloved and his desire is for me. He's talking about a captivity that we are his possession. We are his prized possession. And his desire is for each and every one of us. And again, I could walk through all of this. I could show, I could show you all of this. We could preach this. We preach this every single time we're up here. We preach this. And there's those still sitting out there saying, get to the good part. Where's the good part? Where's the part that's going to help me in my life? Where's the part that's going to help? I want to get rocked by you, Pastor Isaac. Give me a revelation. Give me this heavy revy so that I could feel good about it. So what's our problem? We all have a problem. I have a problem. Every single one of us have this problem. Our problem are these little gods. Lowercase g. Our problem, our problem is these little gods. There's a story. Uh, there's a story. I'm going to read it to you. Uh, it's about two. It's about three fish. Uh, but uh, you know, suffer the story, and we're going somewhere with it. Uh, there are uh, there are these two young fish swimming along, and they happen to meet an older fish swimming the other way, who nods at them and says, "Morning, boys. How's the water?" Question mark. The two young fish swim on for a bit, and then eventually one of them looks over at the other and asks, what the heck is water? So there's humor in that metaphor. But really the biggest point is understanding that they had become so accustomed to their environment that they were that they were they weren't they weren't able to actually see that they were swimming in water. So listen, every single day we live in our own mind, our own heart, our own world. And there's, uh, uh, each and every one of us have this default setting. We're just going through life, we're cruising through life, unaware of the little gods that are in our lives, unaware 
of those sins, unaware of those things that are distracting us, unaware of those things that are snares in our lives, unaware of the stumbling blocks that the enemy has, has put into your life, you are, you are so completely unaware of them because you've been conditioned by your environment. So think about this. Think about this. We are the primary focus of every experience we've ever had. Let me explain that to you. Whenever something happens, it doesn't matter if it's at a micro level, so it doesn't, it doesn't matter if it's like a one-on-one relationship or if it's big, okay? So, uh, uh, so, so okay, I'll, I'll just say it. The political climate today, okay? So many of us, it's a big thing, and quite honestly, uh, it's probably going to impact you kind of very, very small, but it's not really going to have a major impact. However... Because of what's going on, you, you automatically say, how is this going to affect me? Every single thing that we do, every single experience that we have, it's all about us. How does it impact me? How do I benefit from this? What am I going to get out of that? We are self-centered in our thinking. Speaking about sin, I've heard it said that the essence of sin is seeking to find your ultimate pleasure in things that God has made as opposed to God himself. Many of us, many of us are looking for the blessing of God. Many of us want uh, that promotion. Many of us want uh, whatever it is that's on your heart. And I'm not saying it's a bad thing, okay? Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. But many of us are looking for those things opposed to just looking for God, opposed to just pursuing God. I want to talk about idolatry. I, so an idol is when something or someone becomes more important to us than God. Even good things can become idols when we make them ultimate things in our lives. Anything or anyone can become an idol if we place value for that thing or person above the value for God. And so in ancient times, uh, that would have looked like bowing down to a, a golden statue or, or, uh, or, or something like that. But in modern times today, what it looks like is getting our identity from our career, getting our identity maybe from your talent, getting your identity maybe from uh, something that you've conjured up in your own mind. But anything that becomes more important to us than God becomes an idol. And listen to this. Every single one of us have them. Every single one of us have them. One man said, uh, uh, said this about idolatry. He says, is it that a 12-inch tall piece of wood or bronze can do something bad to us? Or is it that we do something awful to ourselves when we place adoration and attention that should go to God and other things? When it comes to idolatry, the danger is not an item. It's in us. Another man says that an idol is anything more important to you than God. Anything that absorbs your heart and imagination more than God. Anything that you seek to give, uh, seeks to give you what only God 
can give you. I, I, I want to talk to you about maybe this thought about disordered love. Disordered love. Now, when we're talking about sin, and, and we, uh, Pastor Omar alluded to the scripture last week about uh, Jesus is talking. Uh, uh, Jesus is, is talking, and he talks about discipleship. And we know that we, we know the story. He says that uh, uh, if you if you want to be my disciple, you in comparison you have to uh, you have to hate your mother, father, kids, uh, you know, tias, everyone. You got to hate everyone in comparison. To your, to, to, to your love for me, you have to hate all of these people. This is what God, this is what Jesus is saying is that I have to be number one. I have to be supreme number one priority in each and every one of your lives. So the sin is this. The sin is disordered love. So what I mean by that is if God is saying that he's got to be number one, and we have him as, num- as a close number two to our family, close though he's close if that's our position then we're in sin it's out of order now I'm telling you again I'm I'm telling you for you to love your family is not a bad thing but it's all about the order in which we do this see the sin is the difference of taking a good and honorable thing and making it an ultimate thing there's a lot of good things in our lives okay so uh, career education family hobbies those are all good things. I'm not saying that those are evil things, but it's how we place them in our lives. It's how we prioritize them in our lives that, be- that can become sin or can become an idol in our lives. So what does the Bible say about idolatry? So the first, the first writing is in the Ten Commandments. God kicks it off right, right from the very beginning. He lets us know very, very clear what his expectation is. In Exodus 20, uh, 3 through 5, it says, uh, uh, You must not have any other God but me. You must not make yourself an idol of any kind or an image of anything in heavens or in earth or in the sea. You must not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God who will not tolerate your affection for any other gods. Jesus said in Mark 12, 30, that you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind, and all your strength. This is the order. This is the order that God requires of each and every one of us. But we have a problem. Paul talks about this in Romans 1, 19. He says this, he says, they knew the truth about God because he has made it obvious to them. Forever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. Yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, their minds became dark and confused. Claiming to be wise, they instead became utter fools. And instead of worshiping the glorious, ever-living God, they worshiped idols made to look like mere people and birds, animals, and reptiles. Verse 25, they traded the truth about God for a lie so they worshiped and served the things God created instead of the creator himself who is worthy of eternal praise 
Amen. There's many things in our lives. There's many things in our lives that could become idols. Good things in our lives that could become idols. I talked to you about your career and success. There's nothing wrong with with success in itself. But if success is priority in your life, it's an idol. There's good things in your life. Uh, Those of you that are married, those of you that have a spouse, uh, your spouse, that's a good thing. That's a blessing. The Bible says that if you find a good wife, you find a good thing. And so that's a good thing. But if they take priority in your life over God... That's an idol. See, the problem with idols is this, is that they're very disappointing. We put all of our trust, we put all of our confidence, all of our security is in this thing, whatever it is. It could be your home, it could be your bank account, it could be relationships, whatever it is. We put all of our, everything that we have in this one thing, and it always disappoints. It will always disappoint. I, I, I listen to many, many people that are uh, in their marriage, and, and there's those that are looking uh, for fulfillment. They're looking for something from, from, their, from their partner. And as a human being, there's only so much that I could give as, as, as a man, as a, as, a, as a husband. There's only so much that I could give. And what you're looking for, only God could give it. <laughs> Idols are disappointing. They promise everything. They promise fulfillment. They promise uh, how, how, many, how many of us uh, were, were aspiring for success in our lives, whatever that looks like. I think about all of these millionaires, all of these actors, all of these uh, superstars that all they wanted in their life was this one thing, uh, su- uh, fame, success, money, whatever it was. And many of them, many of their lives end up in suicide, empty and broken because the, the idol was a disappointment. The idol was a disappointment. So how can we get victory over these little gods in our lives? How many of us want victory over these little gods in our lives? There, there's some in here, you're still saying like, no, Pastor Isaac, you missed it. I don't got anyone, any little gods, but uh, God will work that out for you. Uh, Hezekiah, if we look at Hezekiah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go through this quickly. 2 Kings uh, 18, it says that Hezekiah, son of Ahaz, began to rule over Judah in the third year of King Hosea's reign in Israel. He was 25 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 29 years. His mother was Abijah, and uh, the daughter of Zechariah. He did what was pleasing, listen to this, he did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight, just as his ancestor David had done. Verse 4. He removed the pagan shrines. He smashed the sacred pillars and cut down the Asherah poles. He broke up the bronze, uh, the bronze serpent that Moses had made because the people of Israel had been offering sacrifices to it. It goes on to say that Hezekiah trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel. There was no one like him among all the kings of Judah, either before or after his time. He remained faithful to the Lord in everything he carefully obeyed all the commands the Lord had given Moses. So the Lord was with him and Hezekiah was successful in everything that he did. I, I think that we could look at Hezekiah and his actions real quick and, 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 and we, could, uh, we could understand how we could get victory over the idols, potentially those things that are in your life. See, these idols, these, these, these gods, all these different things, they were snares. They were obstacles to the children of God. God, had, God, wanted, uh, God, God wanted 
wanted them uh, to walk in prosperity, wanted to walk, wanted them to walk in, the, in a blessing. But these snares continue to creep up in their lives. They continue to go back to these to these false gods. And and uh, and here's Hezekiah, a righteous king that goes and does all the things that God asks him to do. So the first thing that he did was he removed the pagan shrines. What does the pagan shrines mean? Ultimately, what this represents or is symbolic of man's success. How many of you have ever walked into someone and you see a shrine of something? It's like all their accomplish, all their accomplishments. They got all the little uh, little league trophies all up there, and uh, it's it's all it's it's all there as an accomplishment, right? I mean, we're just we're just excited about that. But he removed those pagan shrines. He removed all of those things that took uh, took effect from God and place it on a thing. He removed all of those things out of his life. The second thing that he did was that he smashed the sacred pillars. He smashed the sacred pillars. The sacred pillars today are those things, actions, and words that become more important to us than the kingdom of God. The culture is trying to get our minds. The culture is trying to get our heart. It's trying to uh, mold us into, uh, 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 into this culture. And, and what Hezekiah did was he smashed those sacred pillars. And he didn't conform to what was going on around him. Romans 12.2 says, Stop imitating the ideals and opinions of this culture around you, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through total reformation of how you think. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in his eyes. The next thing that he did was that he cut down the ashray poles. Now, many of you know that the ashray poles uh, was symbolic of sexual sin. And I was doing some research on this, and uh, th this may get a little bit touchy, but I I'm just going to say it, and I'm going to leave it right here, and I'm going I'm to pray that, that God would help us. But I was looking at Barner Research uh, Studies. I was looking at the Pew Research, and what these, what these organi organizations do is they go and they research what's going on in the house of God. Now, one of the things that I thought was very, very interesting was that they uh, they looked at Christianity and pornography, and what they did was they separated uh, uh, Christians from born again Christians. And so, uh, really, what they're talking about is is Christians uh, that that would uh, include Catholics and, and maybe some others. But uh, they separated uh, Christians and born again Christians. Now, what they found in Christians as a, as a bigger group was that sixty three percent sixty three percent of men actively watch pornography at least once. A month. See, and here at Praise Chapel Paramount, we say, well, we're more holy. We're born again. So we're, we're, we're more holy. Uh, what, what the Pew Research found was that 54%, 54% of men watch pornography at least once a month in the born again church. He cut down the ashray poles. I believe that God wants us to cut some of the stuff out of our lives. The next thing that he did, the next thing that he did was that he broke up the bronze serpent that Moses had made. And so the bronze serpent, uh, the bronze serpent is our dependency on anything other than God for our protection. Now, I, I want to bring context that bronze serpent, uh, it, it, it was useful at a time. It was useful at a time. It was a good thing. Uh, God, God had given Moses the direction to erect that thing. But what had happened was that men, each and every one of us people, we began to start worshiping that thing. Thing, thinking that it was giving us security. It says that he broke it up. 
He broke up the serpent that Moses had made up. And what, what God wants us to do is break our dependency on anything that's not solely dependent upon him. The last thing that Hezekiah did, and I, I could have the worship team come up. The last thing that Hezekiah did was that Hezekiah trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel. Hezekiah trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel. Think about this. There were all of these things in the culture that was, uh, that, that was contending for his attention, contending for his affection. I believe that even right now in this culture, in our lives, there's so many things that are contending for our affection, uh, contending for our attention, contending for us to bow down and worship those things. Hezekiah didn't find Hezekiah didn't find his identity. Hezekiah didn't find value in these created things. Hezekiah says that Hezekiah trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel. Psalms 28:7 says, "The Lord is my strength and my shield. In him my heart trusts." It's not in his bank account, it's not in his talents or abilities, it's not in his sword, it's not in his shield. It's not in his fortress. It's in him, God, that his heart trusts. And I am helped, my heart exalts, and with my song I give thanks to him. The way that we break down these idols, and again, you, you might be sitting here and say, Pastor Isaac, I, I live for God. I, 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 I do everything that I can to, to, to fly straight, so to speak. And I, I, I'm, I'm sure you do. But there's things in our lives, there's things even right now, as I've been, even as I've been talking, that God is pointing to in your life. I, I had them in my life. There's things that I had to repent. There's things that I had to look at. And I, I believe that God wants, uh, God wants his people to walk in freedom. God wants us, each and every one of us, to fulfill the will that he's put on each and every one of us. See, the thing that we, that we believe here at Praise Chapel Paramount is that uh, uh, God's destiny is not just for the pastor that's up here preaching to someone. God's destiny is for every single one of you. I said God's destiny is for every single one of you. God wants to use you to impact your circle of influence. That's your family, that's your co-workers, that's those that you come in contact with at the marketplace. God wants to use you. There's a specific call, there's a specific destiny on your life. And the enemy has erected these idols in your life to, to knock you off course. I think about this often. I think that uh, each and every one of us, we need redirection in our lives often. Uh, if you ever do any studies on these rocket launches, SpaceX has been, has, has been uh, uh, doing all these rocket launches and understand, uh, understand how specific they have to be in their direction. They're traveling a long ways and any slight deviation of the course, they miss their target. Well, what is sin? Sin means to miss the target. And so I believe that even tonight, God is wanting to redirect some of us. Some of us may be slightly off course and God wants to just redirect us. There's no shame. I think about this, that redirection often is, is repentance. And I believe that if we repent often, that we stay in that redirection and we stay on the course. We have to be, we, we have to be quick to repent. I want to pose this last question to you, and you could you could bow your head, uh, bow your head and close your eyes, because I I really want you to, I really want you to to search your own heart, search your own mind here. So I asked you in the beginning of of this message, what is it that you live for? 
And again, many of you, many of you said what you said and thought what you said and, and all of that. But I, I want to ask you, and I want to ask you that same question slightly different. And I really think that the best way for us to understand what we live for, or what we value supremely in our lives is to think about it this way. What is your worst nightmare? What is the thing that keeps you up at night? What is that one thing that if you were to lose it, your life would come crashing down? Now I'd imagine in a, in a room of, uh, I'll call it 200 people, I'm sure, there's, I'm sure there's some that will say, if I lost my salvation, that's everything. I, 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 would, I would be a mess. I also believe that there's others in here that would say that if I lost my home, I would be a mess. My worst nightmare is to be laid off. That's where I, that's where I draw my identity. That's where I draw my security. Maybe even the death of a loved one. Maybe, maybe losing someone that, that you value, that you love. Maybe that's enough to throw your life off course. If you can answer, if you could answer any one of those things besides God or your salvation, I would ask you to really check your heart and see where, where your priorities are. How, how are, where, where is your order in love? Potentially, you, you, potentially you've ascribed value to things that are higher than God. Potentially. I'm not up here accusing anyone. I'm saying potentially that that's happened in your life. But I believe that this question really gets to the essence of what we value in our life or what or who we are worshiping as a God. So tonight I want to, I want to give an invitation. I talked about God. I talked about, quite honestly, I talked about the doctrine of God. I talked about who God was. Uh, I talked about the gospel message, how God, uh, God became man. God became flesh in, in Christ. And he walked on this earth. He walked with us. And God sent Jesus into this world for a, for a lost world, a, a dying world. And I told you that God's desire is, is for us, for each and every one of us. And out of that love, that love poured out was Jesus to come onto this earth for each and every one of us so that we would know him, that we'd be able to touch him, we'd be able to see him, we'd be able to experience him. But not only that, so that Jesus would go to the cross and die for every single one of us. Why is that? So that we could be in right standing with God. And so with that reality, with that understanding, I, I wonder if there's those that are in this place that you say, I don't have a personal relationship with God. I don't, I don't have a personal relationship with Jesus. I can't say that Jesus is my Savior. I understand it. I, I appreciate what he's done objectively from, from afar off. I can admire what he's done. But subjectively or personally, I can't say that I've allowed him into my life. I can't say that I've made him Lord of my life. And if that's you in this place, I want to give you an opportunity to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. And so if you're in, if you're in this room or, or even online, within the sound of my voice, if that's you, I want you just to lift your hand real quick. I just want to pray with you. Is there anybody at all that would say, you know what, I, Pastor Isaac, I, 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 don't, I don't acknowledge Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. I don't have, I, I can't say that I have salvation in my life. Is there anybody here? I'm just going to take a, take a few minutes here because this is important. I think we have one over here to the right, one, one honest heart. This is everything, guys. 
This is why we preach. This is the fullness, uh, the foolishness of the gospel. This is why we do it. Anybody else? Anybody else at all? Say, so you know what, Pastor Isaac? I, I, my life is in disorder. I have my priorities the wrong way. Jesus is not supreme in my life. Anybody else? Anybody at all? Maybe there's those. Uh, maybe there's those in in, in this in this room that. Kind of like I was saying, you started off on the right, the right course. You started off on the right, the right direction. Uh, but you're missing the mark right now. Even today, as I've been talking, you're starting to, you, you see God is, the Holy Spirit is revealing to you where you're missing the mark. Maybe you're starting to put your confidence or your trust in other things other than Jesus. If that's you, I believe that the Holy Spirit is calling you back. The Holy Spirit is calling you for a redirection. The Holy Spirit is drawing you by, by, uh, by his spirit to come back to him. And if there's anybody like that, if there's anybody here, just, just lift your hand. I, I want to I pray for you guys specifically before we move the order of service. Anybody at all? Amen. All right. Well, we have one, we have, we have one honest heart uh, young lady. If you would just, just look up at me. D did you mean that? Did you mean that? I'm going to ask you just to stand up and, and, and come up. Just meet me right here. We're just going to pray with you. Why don't we give her a big hand? One of the ladies, one of the ladies is going to come and pray with you. She's going to lead you to the Lord. And this is such a powerful time. Just lead her, just lead her to the Lord. Church, I, I want to tell you that this is, this is what it's all about. It's getting our lives in order, watching others surrender. This is, this is what it's all about. There's nothing better than this. I want to, I want to speak directly to, to Christians. And I, I, I wonder if there's those that are, that are out there right now as I've been talking and you're saying, you know what, Pastor Isaac, I, I understand all, all the elementary things of, of God. I understand all of those things, but I, I, I'm, out of, I'm out of line. I'm out of order. I need, I need the help. I need, I need God's help to smash and, and cut out and pull down all of those different things that are in, in my life. If, that, if that's anybody in this, in this, uh, in this room, I'm going to ask you just to get out of your seat and just come to the altar. I believe, this, listen to this, at the altar is where things, where things die, where things change. And I think about this often as we're talking about idolatry. Oftentimes, oftentimes when we think about idolatry, we think about these primitive religions. We think about these, these altars where, uh, where they would go and sacrifice babies. And, and we say, how, how crazy is that? How crazy is that? Yet we see it today that many men, many people are sacrificing their, their, their families at the altar of a career, at the altar of success, at the altar of self-pleasure. It's the same spirit. It just looks different. Just get out of your seat. I, I believe that God wants to do business with his people today. Hey, thanks for listening to this week's message from Praise Chapel Paramount. If you want to stay connected, follow us online with Facebook and Instagram at PC Paramount or visit our website at praisechapelparamount.com.